Thank you for tuning in to an episode of 5678. You're listening to the podcast for non-professional dancers. 5678 is the direct result of a one-year dance challenge that I set myself on to become a better dancer. 5678 is an honest conversation about what it was like for me to start something new at the ripe old age of 29 in a town that's all about perfection during a time in my life where I found it hard to make it through the day. Thank you for listening to my struggle. Let's get started. Welcome to 5678, the podcast for non-professional dancers. I'm your host, Jennifer Chang, and today with me, I have a very, very good friend and dance teacher, uh, Kayla Jansen. Kayla, how are you today, babe? I am good. Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this, because when I when I saw that you were starting a podcast for non-professional dancers who want to train up there, I was like, you know, I started listening. I wanted to hear what people needed and what people wanted. And I was like, I need to be a part of this. I want to be part of this conversation. <laughs> I know it's really, it's really strange. Cause like, you know, your own journey, right. But mm-hmm. like a lot of the times, like when we're dancing in class, you don't have time to like sit there and have a coffee and be like, so tell me about your life. You know what I mean? True. Because you're trying to learn some eights, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> and also I have had to start learning my boundaries as an instructor because, uh, you know, you have your regulars that come to class all the time and, I have had experiences where that trust or no getting to know somebody outside of class was kind of taken too far. So mm. unfortunately, I had to start creating a boundary between that. And that's something that I had to find a balance between I really want to get to know people and know their journey because everyone's journey is so specific and special. And and we'll probably get into it later. But I just um, uh, am very aware of how uncomfortable dance can be and, and being in a very uncomfortable environment. So I want to get to know these people more. And right. what is your journey? So I can get to know you better. So while you're dancing in class, maybe I can say that one thing that would, that would uh, motivate you. Voila. That's what it is. Um, so yeah. So luckily I know maybe it might've taken us two, two years to get to know each yeah. other a little bit better. Maybe it, it was because of quarantine that I'm getting to know my students a little bit better as well. Yeah. I think it's beautiful as well, but, um, uh, I would love to get to know people in who take my class that much more. Like, how did yeah. you get here? Where yeah, were like, you born? <laughs> tell me, tell me what motivates you, please. Like, yeah. <laughs> how, how did you find out about class? Why are you here? How was your experience? But there's only, you know, and that's also why like after class sometimes is a little bit of like hubba bubba groupy stuff going on. I try like I cause again, like it, it same thing, like even though like you and I, like, our relationship was student teacher and I feel like now we're evolving past that. But like even the people that I'm just like dancer to dancer, like people in my classes, like it's taken me a while to get to know them too, because like it took me a while to get to know their names. Like I, even though I just see them all the time, like, you know, you like wave at people, even though you have no idea what their name is. Yeah. And then like three months after knowing them, like I, I just did air quotes by the way, <laughs> but like after like knowing them, you're like, so what is, what, what is your name? Or like you go to their Instagram, like, okay, what is their actual name? <laughs> you know? And then you're like, oh, oh, they're from this city. I live down the road from them where I grew up, you know, and that that's like the beautiful thing of taking class because everybody everybody does things differently like everyone shows up to class differently everyone takes class differently I know a lot of people who'd like to show up late and just leave right after class and they have no connection with anybody until they warm up and get used to the community of the of the dance of dance classes dance industry whatever you want to say for sure like I, I've definitely become a lingerer these days Love that. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a second family. It's a family that we've decided to jump into and just be like, hi, you're going to accept me because I'm showing up at every single family function. Okay, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> Spending all my money to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> 
so like so I just realized I was telling Kayla like before we jumped on this recording was that like so my I took group three which is the class that uh, Kayla taught pre-quarantine at Millennium um, I started going there in October of 2018 so I actually just kind of crossed my two-year anniversary with like dance in general and I was like ah oh. I mean of course eight months of that was quarantine but like still <laughs> <laughs> It's still included in your two it's years. Still, yeah, exactly. It still counts. So like the baby asterisk next to it, but like it still counts. And and Kayla, honestly, like for the a lot in the beginning was I just took group three a lot. Like mm-hmm. I was, I remember I went. I didn't realize that um, they taught the same. She taught she taught group three three times a week at Millennium, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that it was the same choreo, like the same class. Um, so I was only going like once a week. So I was like, oh, okay, uh, you know, that's, that's enough for me. And then I just kind of, I started going Tuesdays, Thursdays. And I was like, okay, well, maybe Tuesdays, Thursdays, maybe a Saturday here and there. And then, so group three was pretty much like all I did for like the first month, maybe two months of just starting to dance. And then I kind of broke out into like other studios. And then I started my dance challenge eventually, but still going to group three, even though I was, I had, I guess, quote unquote, moved past it. Um, but kind of like, tell me about your dance teaching career and like how, like why you started teaching and like what you prefer to teach. Oh, wow. Loaded question. And for anybody who doesn't know what Groove 3 is, it's a, um, it is a dance fitness class, but we teach choreography. Um, when I say dance fitness, people automatically say, think of Zumba and especially with the creator and the owner of Groove 3, he didn't want to be related to that, but still find this beautiful balance between the way that we break down choreography, which helps muscle memory, but then you're also dancing to your favorite tracks to a one hour nonstop DJ mix, which sometimes we have live DJs in class, but still learning choreography. So you're getting everything that you want out of class, you know? So if you want that choreography side, you got it. If you want the fitness side, you got it. If you want that energetic, you feel like you're at a club back when you were 19, figuring it out, you got that as well. So whether you're looking for one of those or all of those, when we um, approached Millennium, they actually wanted Groove to be there for a really long time. Millennium's been around for over 20 years, and they only in the last five years went to their new location that everybody knows now. That right, the Studio up. City. Yeah, in the Studio City that kind of blew up online. It was only when they went to the new location that they're like, okay, now we're ready to introduce Groove Three, because there wasn't any space for us prior to that, and. I had just passed my certification a year prior, so I felt like comfortable in it. It's a specific type of formula when we do teach. Trust me, I was so backwards with it. I didn't understand it, the hand gestures, the the, the flow of class and how to run it. By the time that we were invited to come teach at Millennium, I was like, I'm ready for this. And, um, and that's the history of that. Just in case anybody doesn't know what Group 3 is, and we're all over the world now, which is amazing, like go find us. Dubai, we're in Australia, we're in Germany. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's it's, the fun it's, part. It's global. <laughs> They're global. When it comes, so that's just like a, that's like a sand in a, a grade of sand in my teaching life. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of anecdotes that I know that we're going to be touching on in regards to my whole dance career. But when I started teaching, I, I started choreographing choreographing before I was teaching in in the sense of making dances when I was a kid. You know, I was the weird kid that didn't do the shopping thing on weekends. And when I say kid, let's think, let's, let's talk middle school. Let's talk awkward prepubescent. Yeah. That that (laughs) phase. I was watching music videos. I didn't really watch cartoons as a kid. I was watching MTV and behind the scenes and the making of, and what was it on VH1? Like, 
um, however they made music videos. I was like, how did like, they do was that? Making the video? I think that might have been on MTV. Yeah, both of them, yeah. either of them. I was watching MTV when I was nine. I wasn't watching cartoons. I was, you know, I was playing with Barbie dolls, but they were dancing. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably, yes. So freshman year, I specifically remember, um, so I grew up in Hong Kong as a kid. Um, I, I'm a third culture kid is basically, it's a phenomenon of the recent uh, past millennia, let's say, mm -hmm. of a child born in one country to parents of a second country living in a third country. So I was uh, Belgian parents. I was, I have Belgian parents. So my culture at home is Belgian and European and, and a certain mentality and language and food. And I was born in the US, which only lasted six months and then we moved to Tokyo. And I grew up in Hong Kong and Tokyo for 13 years of my life. So I was, I was, I was the question mark. I was like, what is my identity? What is culture to me? Because I'm at this American school in China, but I'm speaking a European language at home. But the snacks that we have at school are dumplings. Cool. Right. <laughs> Dance for me was a sense of community. Yeah, you have your home life. And all of my friends were all over from all over the world. And for me, dance was always a way to find my place in the world a little bit in a world that was so questionable, because everything I was taught from films and movies, oh, the same thing. So everything I was taught from in pop culture, I was like, I can't relate to that. I don't know what American culture is. I don't know what English culture is. I don't, you know, and I, and because I was experiencing so many different languages and uh, so many different levels of things that somehow didn't really make sense. Like they exactly. didn't come together. No. Cause I was like, I can't relate to that. Cause it's not part of yeah. my life. So, um, I freshman year, I auditioned for this dance team called Hong Kong dancers original, right? Um, <laughs> the Hong Kong dancers. And it was the coolest thing ever. And they always had like the coolest outfits and I auditioned, I got in and that first year as a freshman, I was already choreographing for the end of year show. That performance, 50% of those dancers were upperclassmen. So, you know, the, yes, it was an American school. So I'm very aware of upperclassmen yes. and lowerclassmen. And, you know, as a freshman choreographing for the seniors that were, I think it was, um, we were doing Let's Get Loud. Oh, okay. You know, so it's a cute little salsa number and uh -huh. I choreographed it and they performed it and they're like, can you do another one? So that kind of gave me this, like, I understood how to choreograph and that was my first introduction to how to put it on people instead of just in my brain, because there's, there's a whole different language for dancers. We can understand a feeling in our head and how to show that feeling in our body, but then actually explaining it to somebody else. You can't just be like, oh, just do this. Everybody learns differently. So yes, that was yeah. like my first experience as to, oh, okay. So she is, she needs to understand how the body works like this, blah, blah, blah. So that was the beginning of everything. Um, my first, and yeah, yeah, I was taking a lot of classes. I would say the first time I had my own class class where I had to completely from start to finish also choreograph and, you know, building the kids was to complicate the story more. Um, when I was between the years of sophomore year and junior year, so the summer I turned 16, I moved countries again. I moved to London. So I was a new kid at school at 16. That I think that was like the biggest, uh, the first time I cried ever when I left 
when I like left, when I left home. Yeah. Home and okay. left home, whatever home means to you. Yeah. And I remember showing up to this new school that was like a third of the size, you know, my graduating class only had about like 70 people in it and there wasn't anything dance. Yeah. There was a cheerleading team, but they were like cute. And I wanted more than that. So I just started again. I just started something that I wanted that same year, a woman showed up kind of the same, uh, same story as me. Her husband works for the American government. So he was sent to London. So her kids went to the same school and she became my first mentor because she used to be a Denver nugget dancer. And so she has been, you know, this, this classic like American dance team thing that I'd never experienced in my whole life because my dance career was just all over the place. There was never like a technique training. She was the first person to be, to, to see me start something. And she was like, that's cute. We're going to level up a little bit. And she kind of took me under her wing. Not only did she start like the official competition dance team at that high school in London, but we also, um, she started her own dance school. And that's when she brought me under her wing when I was 16, uh, really taught me how to break down the time management of a class. When you have an hour, it's really important to have the best time management. How much time do you spend on a warm up? How, how much time, especially for um, a dance school where the kids are training, how much do you spend on actually training and breaking down the move versus actually teaching the choreography? When I got the gist of that, then I could start playing again and then I can incorporate my, incorporate my choreography and then add my flavor. So I am so grateful. Her name's Layla, of course. <laughs> I'm so grateful for Layla to really teach me the structure of a dance class. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I still hold really true to my heart right now. And, and I'm still, um, you know, in Groove 3 has a time management thing as well as we teach classes. But what I learned from her at 16 is something that I'm still learning I'm still, sorry, not learning. It's something that I'm still incorporating in my classes all now. So I would say my first official class when I was 16 years old, teaching like the second graders. And that grew into Layla was teaching at the, we were in London, at the Millennium equivalent in London. Okay. It's called Pineapple Dance Studios. It's the place where all the auditions happen. It's right in the heart of Covent Garden, which is the heart of London. Yep. In this mm -hmm. old pineapple factory. So it's old and creaky and the walls are still sweaty from like 50 years ago. It's amazing. It's, it's beautiful. Um, she started teaching jazz classes there. And adult jazz classes, again, took me in as her assistant. And then sometimes she'd be like, hey, Kayla, you're going to step for me today. So me as a 17 year old, just being like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 sure. One of the, this is kind of sidetracking. One of the biggest things my parents laugh at me about is that I just never asked for help as a kid. I just said yes and figured, figured it, out. it out. Yeah. And I don't know if that goes from always moving around or always having to jump into the deep end and learning how to swim. But I said yes to Layla. And then I started teaching that jazz class every Monday and it was just full of People my age, people old, majority were older, but they thought I was older. And because I had an American accent, they were like, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was a lot of faking it till you make it. So this is definitely how the teaching started. And I just loved it so much. It, it didn't feel like an effort to me because I just, the biggest thing for me when I'm teaching is seeing that, that feeling of accomplishment with a lot of the students. 
that beginning apprehension, why am I here? The question mark, who is this chick who, you know, I, I get that a lot. When sometimes when people look at me, they're like, what's she going to teach me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Just stay in the class. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but just stay with me. And then, then just seeing that change. I always say it's like half of the way through, you just see that, that click and their eyes are bright and, and they're smiling and they're talking to people in class. Like you've experienced that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the, the, the beginning seed of everything and so it's been 17 years okay so you so you, so you initially started as like a teenager just kind of like winging it here and there and then so like fast forward to kind of like living in LA how long have you been in LA seven years seven years okay and did you when you moved to LA was it like I eventually want to teach here someday or was it just kind of just happen organically I always knew because I felt so confident in my teaching, I knew that it was going to happen. Um, I decided, so Evolution Studios, which is now closed for a second, which we know, it used to be where the old Millennium was. Oh, gotcha. The old Evolution Studios, still a rental place. I I think it was like my second year in LA. I I handed out flyers on the street. I printed out these like really cool flyers that I, well, I thought were cool back in the day. And I think I had like two people show up and they were usually my friends and it was usually free. And that's how I started. And, and it didn't last long, unfortunately, because then other things started happening in my professional career, dance career and choreography career. And then Groove 3 came into my life. I, I, it kept popping up funnily enough. And then when I was like, okay, this might actually be a way for me to get in a little bit easier without all the effort that I'm putting in behind promoting my own choreography. And that was about five years ago. So that completely blew up for me. Funnily enough, when we first started Groove 3, I don't know if you know this, when we first started Groove 3 at Millennium, I had nobody show up. I had zero people, then three people, and Millennium's policy is three or more. So the first six months, I would have to cancel every other class. Yeah. And I just knew, I, I just, I was just like, no, this is going to work. I see it. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody would bring a friend and then I had like a solid five people in class and then it turned to seven and then 15. And then all of a sudden overnight, it turned into 50 plus each class three times a week. So it, I knew I was going to come to LA to teach Um, I knew I wanted to be a choreographer and I was just figuring it out. I was like, okay, let me try that. Okay. Maybe not now. I'm just going to put that on the back burner, but I tried it. This worked. This didn't work. Um, I always want, of course I want to teach at millennium. Everybody wants to teach at millennium. Are you kidding? Yeah. So the fact that I'm able to teach there, but also create a safe space for people to feel uncomfortable that is more important to me than anything. And what I mean by feeling uncomfortable is, yeah, Groove 3 is a lot simpler than a lot of, than any professional classes because of the way that we break it down. But we're at such an intimidating studio that I love the fact that I am that person that people feel comfortable with to feel uncomfortable, that whatever they learn with me, they, they feel that confidence in order to push to other classes, which I think is what you felt. And a few other people that have been on this podcast have felt the same way which I'm aware of. So I'm so grateful for you guys for giving me that trust. Yeah, it's definitely like, I know, like, for people, when I tell when people ask me, like, what classes should I go to? Where should I go? Because unfortunately, with Instagram, dance has become very glamorized, it makes it feel it, it makes 
dance feel like you should be able to pick it up in three minutes, the, the same length as these dance videos. And it's like, eh, no, behind every three minute dance video, there was an hour and a half of class that they spent drilling those same choreo, those same techniques. And a lot of the times, like, because even when I was going to class, when I got out of like group three and started, you know, dabbling in other studios, you realize that the people all on those videos are professional dancers. Like they get paid money to dance. And you're like, oh, and you're comparing yourself as someone who's like just started to these people who have been dancing for years, like out the womb almost, you know what I mean? And so it's like, that's not fair. You know, like you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. And you don't know what their story is. Like they could have helped the choreography. They could right. have actually learned this choreography two weeks ago when they're all hanging out. Yeah, they could houses. be roommates and you probably just saw him do it in the living room and probably just memorized it from that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So there's so much more behind the camera, which exactly. which I totally agree with that statement. Instagram has glamorized it. But what, what I know that you said as well, it's, it helped you find the classes that you want to go to. You're like, I like that vibe. That's dope. Oh, the, the live drummer in there. I want to be a part of that. And so it's the juxtaposition. It's the dichotomy of social media. Thank you for finding me. Oh, but when I'm actually there, there's so much more behind the camera, behind the scenes, behind the process. Yeah, like, I think you have to, you just have to learn to, to, to self-filter, right? Like you have to like take in the things that you need. Uh, like for me, I was like, okay, I want to take his class. And most people have like other videos of their choreo on their Instagram feed. So that's what I would do. I would just kind of scroll through and see what their vibe was. Yeah. And then I would, I would take that and leave their page. Like I wouldn't go dig any further. I wouldn't go any like stock mode or anything. I just look at their choreo. And then see if they had a class that worked in my schedule. Boom, that was it. And yeah. then I and I think people kind of like obsess over it so much. Like I, because I've seen like sometimes people will post the choreo that they're gonna teach that day. And like, and if I look at that video a hundred times, I'm like, oh god, that's way too hard. I'm gonna like sign out. But if I just see it, oh, I like the song. Boom, signing up. Go away. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think you have to learn how to self filter at that point. Like, take what you need and then leave the BS behind. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that statement for sure. And especially when you're looking at a class, why do you want to take the class and, and be super clear on what your intention is of why you want to show up? Is it because you want to learn a dope choreo? Is it because you like the song? Is it because you just, um, you, you want to feel the vibe or see what the studio looks like? Whatever that intent is of why you're showing up to that class, just be super clear on it. And then you're like, yeah, okay, that's it. That's the reason why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you, again, like you have to, you have to find a way so that you won't talk yourself out of going to class. Oh yeah. There, there are several things that you could just say that like, you know, if I had booked a class for like five o'clock that afternoon, my friend was like, Hey, you want to go get drinks? I might be like, Oh, well, you know, my friend wants to get drinks. You know, I, I should probably cancel class. Cla class will always be there. But so will your friends. Like, your friends will always want to go get drinks whenever. You know what I mean? You could be, just be like, hey, like, you know, Thursday I've got a class. Like, can we do Friday? You know what I mean? Like, I think you have to learn to, like, prioritize. Like, okay, well, like, I, I think we've all known now. Dance won't always be there. We, it got kind of taken away from us at this point. So I think, yeah. like, we, we took it, like, we took classes in studios for granted at one point. And I think now we know better. Like, we, now we know that, like, because, I mean, I desperately, like, I mean, I could dance at home all day but I desperately miss like a studio class vibe. It's that energy, man. Like that feeling of being with other people and that yelling and this, and I um, keep referring to sweat, but I think when people think of dance classes in LA, it's, it's sweaty. Um, there's something so different, especially teaching online now. It's been really discouraging. I have to admit, like at the beginning, I was really excited with right. being online and then it just physically exhausted me because of that energy factor, because I can't, you guys fuel us. 
Yeah, you can't feel it through the computer. I can't, and I'm overcompensating. And I'm like, who is this chick that I actually look like a cheerleader and that's not what I want to be? You know, and then, and even like the way that I speak is different. Like I over articulate and yeah. over yell because I'm like in the back of my living room trying to get it through Zoom. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so, I get it. It's, yeah. That energy in class is what we're missing right now. Yeah. So, and then, and I, so I, I started dancing when I moved to LA. So I, I haven't experienced dance anywhere else. Um, but you as like, you as a teacher have a different standpoint on like the dance kind of scene in LA. Would, would you say like LA is a dance friendly space for beginners? One word, no. Um, because if, it, because LA is so competitive, there are so many people here. I'm speaking on the, uh, as a professional in that, um, there's so many people out here fighting for three jobs. And, uh, when it's hyper competitive like that, the culture around that becomes super competitive. So yeah, we're all fighting for that job, but then the classes are going to be hyper full with those people that didn't get the job, but they're going to get the next one. You know? <laughs> and and it's exhausting because yeah. it's, I have taught professionals and I am a choreographer. I am on set working with professionals and with artists. But what I expect from them is that they show up already knowing what to do. So when I teach, so my philosophy in all of this is I don't like teaching professionals. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing against that. It's just for me as a teacher, why I'm here is to teach. I'm not here to just teach a beautiful piece of choreography and people are going to kill it. I don't really get anything out of that because I know I'm going to get that on set when I have my professionals, when everyone's paid to be there and to be able to do that. My intent as a dance instructor is to create, like I said before, that, that environment where people feel safe to try things new to try things they've never done before and whatever they learn with me, they can take to other classes and they can feel comfortable in other classes because they already tried it with me. And that was like their, their testing ground, their right. stew of like, mm, add this, add this. Okay, cool. I'm going to add that flavor to another class. So it's difficult in LA because this is the dance hub of the world. Right. Um, maybe that's a difficult statement to say now with COVID because everyone's moving home and we're all realizing we don't need to be in LA anymore for the, at least at the moment. Industry. Yeah. At the moment um, for the entertainment industry, it's there. Yeah, there is, there aren't enough classes where people can learn from to grow. That's yes. what I want to say. Yes. Yes. That, that is, I think that's the number one thing that I hear from not like not only myself when I first started, it was, and it also it's from a lot of the friends who DM me all the time that it's like, Hey, let me know when you're going to class next. And of mm -hmm. course I'm like, girl, I'm in a class six days, of course, pre COVID I was in a class six days a week. And I was like, just tell me the day and I will tell you where you can find me. And, and a lot of the times they would never show up is because the intimidation factor mm -hmm. is it's, and I honestly, so like when I, when I did go into millennium with group three, I only took group three. Like I would go only go to millennium for group three because to me, the, the, the competition vibe is in the air at millennium. Like Just as soon as I you walk through the door, the door. I, yeah. it's like, it, it comes at you and I'm, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, what is, what is this? I don't, I don't like this feeling, you know? And like, and when you're a baby, like I, I say this all the time, when you're a baby dancer, everything affects you so much because mm -hmm. you're again, you're opening up yourself to something very new. 
it's something that you're probably going to be bad at. So like every, you're, like, you're sensitive to like criticism, critique, vibe, words, you know, like everything, like everything. It's like, it's like you're an open nerve. So like, so every little brush of air hurts a little bit, you know? Even though it's like, even though it's a polite critique, like it, it like sometimes it would just tear me down. Cause I'm like, oh my god, I'm bad at this. And and when you walk into Millennium, it it was it was like the competition vibe was just off the charts. And I was like, I can't do anything class here besides Group Three because I yeah. knew that that space was safe enough for beginners to fail and to like look bad and but to grow. And I knew that that was the point of that class. So mm-hmm. I stayed. So I went to Millennium and I fought through it to go to Group Three, and. And I think that's in, in people who have tried going to classes at Millennium, like regular dance classes, one, you feel that in the space when you walk in the door. Two, you probably feel that in class. And, mm-hmm. and I've, there have been several classes that I've been into, like, that are beginner, like they're labeled beginner, but they're highly attended by a lot of professional dancers. And, and I will say that, like, they try because it's they I think they always feel like they have to compete with everybody and everything and not because like not say that they're just really like people who like to compete and like to fight it's just that like when you've done one thing your entire life that's all you know right like that's that's in that's it's muscle memory exactly muscle memory yep and and when they go to a class that it's just a class like it's not like you're not auditioning here lady you know what I mean but like but they can't turn it off because they they, because they never like they never wanted to or they never had to so like they still act like they're competing in a class that's just for beginners and like and you can feel that like I like I can guarantee you I can name five people like that in a beginner class that I've been into but I've just learned to ignore them I've Mm -hmm. just learned that they're not here for the same reasons that I am and I think that's what you have to and again like when you're a baby dancer you don't know who's who and what's what so it's it's hard to determine but when you've been going for as long as I have you learn the people and the players of this game, right? Like you kind of, you kind of know who's in it for what reasons, but, but that, into that, that competition factor sometimes stops a lot of people from dancing in LA. It is. And it's so funny because even coming to LA, I knew this, but it's only when you step into the class and you experience it firsthand like that. I really like your analogy of being an open nerve mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> any brush of wind or look or, I, I'm a wordsmith. Just, just call me a wordsmith. Thank you. No, you are. No, you're <laughs> dropping these beautiful gems. Um, I can attest that. I can. I can totally agree to that because I haven't taken class in over three years. Mm-hmm. I am not inspired by what people are putting out because of uh, what I'm seeing on social media. I'm not there for the video. What I was saying earlier is being so clear on my intent. My intent is to learn something I've never done before. So I will throw myself into a contemporary class that has no cameras because I, I need, even me, I'm 33 years old. I've been doing this for over half my life. I still need a safe space to make mistakes. I still need that because that's the only way that I'm going to grow as a teacher because I'm seeing how other people are doing it. And I'm like, oh, that actually works. I could, I, I could. I could use that method in my class as well. So that's why I haven't taken class, which is horrible because they're saying, you know, there's this kind of knowledge that as an educator, you should still educate yourself. And I'm just like, no, not right now. I'm not, I have to like hands up. I'm just like, but there's nobody I'm excited about. However, those people that are, would excite me, I'm not finding them on the social media because they're not doing it for the video. For the so they're not 
they're not doing it for the gram. They're not doing it for the viral video. They're doing it for the sake of loving and teaching dance and wanting the same things that I do. So for me, even it's difficult to find those people. Mm -hmm. I can't find Mm -hmm. anything of them. The only people that are flooding my account are the ones that I don't want to take class from, believe it or not. I'm not going to name any names. I I don't want to drop any names here, but I'm not inspired by that. Yeah. like you, You know, it's not difficult to hire somebody to come take because like the way that the cameras look now it, everything looks good right. everything looks yeah. seamless an iphone looks still looks good uh, yeah there's a gimbal for that too yeah there's an app for that you know so i'm just like i don't know maybe because i've always been somebody that i don't follow the trends i'm just somebody that i see it for what it is and i appreciate it but i'm more of i lean more away from if everyone's doing it i'm more likely not to do it yeah. And I don't know if you notice sometimes in group, I'm like, no cameras. Yeah. And it's like the, the amount of people that go, ah, yeah. they exhale for the first time. Because I think when you walk into that millennium door, it's a, yeah, you hold that breath in for the whole hour. hour and a half. You get, <laughs> but the moment that I'm like, no cameras. And I, you know, close the blinds and just like blast the music. I think. So I agree with what you're saying. Like it's, it's a really funny, funny industry because even with industry, there's a, within the industry, there's a lot of BS. And this is why I want to be that go-to person for mm-hmm. everybody that is intrigued by it, wants to play, play with the idea of it, train like it, but not be caught in the bullshit. Right. And like, and, and oh, so like for, I think for me, like when I started my dance challenge, I was just very determined. I was like, nothing's going to stop me from this year of dance. You know what I mean? Like I had like a clear like goal, like a clear purpose. I was like, at the end of 365 days, I'm going to live my life as a dancer. And, and, and I think, and of course not everyone's going to be like, ah, I'm joining in and I'm going to do a year of dance. Like no, one's, I don't expect anyone to do that. You know what I mean? But like, and I think when you, when you just, when your goal is just to take one class, a lot of like we talked about like roadblocks and those hurdles kind of getting in your way it's like when when like as for me so like when when I tell my friends who just want to have like a fun dance class you know what I mean like they're like and your assumption is I can just pull up my phone look up a studio book a class that's all and I show up have fun that should be the end of it right but mm-hmm. I think, but the reality of it is, it's like, you have to do a little research. You have to like pull up your phone, look at the studio. How much does this cost? Like how far away is it, away is it from my house? Like, is it, is it really beginner, beginner? Or is it like, like, you know, the, the professional beginner classes or, and then you have to like call the studio sometimes and be like, Hey, like, you know, is this class full of children? Even cause it's beginner. So like you assume that there might be full of children in it. Um, and so like, you, there, there's a lot of like, little hurdles that you have to get through to be like, okay, is this a class that I really want to take? And then, and we all know that like, once we've actually made a decision to take a class, it's like getting yourself physically to that class. is just, an, it's another mental hurdle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, oh, like, yes, I can drive my car and get there. It's like mentally to stick with it. Like I tell people like book a class for that very same day. Do not give yourself time to talk yourself out of it because anxiety doesn't need a day. It only needs two minutes you know? And so I tell people like, just book it and then walk away from your phone, go do something and then just put yourself in the car and go. Yeah. Like, like that's like, put your sports bra on. And it's like anything, you know, if you're starting to work out or you're starting any new hobby or any new, um, whatever I want to say, uh, habit. Yeah. You have to kind of suck it up for a little bit of like, okay, I'm just going to make 
an intentional choice right now to put my sports bra on and and just go. And the moment that you start getting used to the process of showing up, the process doesn't become a challenge anymore. It becomes part of the process. And then you're just like, oh, okay. And then, you know, the challenge becomes learning the choreography or the challenge becomes your conditioning, you know, oh, right now I can only take one class every two days. You know what I mean? So yeah. whatever the challenge is at the moment, you you have you you train yourself to be like, okay, I'm just gonna suck it up and and for these few weeks or few days, that's gonna be like my gonna teach myself new habits so this becomes part of my normal life. And I think that goes with with dance or with anything that you're teaching yourself new. So yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things that might stop us from doing something that we really want to do. But me being some, I've, I've experienced a lot of interesting things in my life. Um, we've kind of touched on it before, but I'm happy to go into it a little bit more. When we're creating these challenges for ourselves, it's almost like we're convincing ourselves even more not to go. Right. right. And the reason, because um, we were talking about positivity and toxic positivity, and it's so easy for, for me to be like, just show up. It's totally fine. The only reason I say that is because I've gone through that uncomfortability. I don't even know. Uncomfortableness. Uncomfortableness, uncomfortable state of mind. Yeah. I've been, that feeling of showing up, that anxiety that you feel in your heart. I have felt that so many times in my life, maybe because I felt it younger and multiple times from moving to different countries, from being the new kid at school, from starting my own dance class and one person showing up, like how embarrassing is that? Yeah. I'm kind of being facetious, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that feeling that people have when they decide to make this life-changing choice habit, I've, I feel it. And this is why it's, why I want to say like, just try it. Just, just yeah. make this your focus right now. Make it part of the process. Put on the sports bra. That's going to be my motto for the rest of the year because that that means so much more than just the physicality of it it means do what you got to do to get there yes because then once it becomes part of your daily process then a new challenge is going to come up and you're like okay now I'm going to focus on this because everything else is normal and I'm used to that yes yes so like so like let's back up a little bit because like so behind the scenes for everyone like before (laughs) I record an episode with anyone on the podcast I usually do a prep call um and when it, with with Kayla I had to do we had to do two prep calls actually <laughs> we had to get real thorough on this we, one. we had to clarify a few things <laughs> but like but it wasn't like a, like it was it wasn't a bad thing it, for me it was just kind of like wow like so after I was telling Kayla like, so after our first initial prep call I felt like Kayla and I were on two separate islands right like I felt like we were so far apart from each other and I felt like, I'm like, man, I don't think professional dancers will ever see, like, our non-professional point of view. Because, like, again, like, a lot of professional dancers have, have only no dance their entire life. This is their bread and butter. This is what they've always wanted to do. They've never doubted themselves. This is it. You know what I mean? And uh, people, as people like me and that are, like, kind of, like, you know, trying to get better, dance is, like, their second or third thing. You know what I mean? Or, or it's just, like, a hobby that they're just now jumping into. And they're trying to like, you know, paddle in the water a little bit. But when you're when you're constantly brushing up against professional dancers who are so sure of themselves and so sure of like their point of view of dance of like, 
yeah, dance is easy. Like, how come you're not, you know, why aren't you getting this? Just do like, it. Just show yeah, up. Just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it's easy for us to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I, and, and I, and I, I've always known Kayla as a very positive person. Like <laughs> I've, I've never doubted that at all. But sometimes when like, sometimes like your advice when that initial prep call, like it's, it felt like toxic positivity and that you weren't really understanding where I was coming from. Like you, cause I, I think one time I said like, oh yeah, roadblocks are meant to keep people out. Right. Mm-hmm. And you were like, well, I'm going to jump over these roadblocks. Like I thought that, you know, that's things that you should be able to get over. It's like, well, like for me, I was like, it's not that easy, especially for someone who was coming from a depression state into dance. For me, just getting out of bed was hard, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and you're over here like, just do it. Come on. Like, just get out, get out of bed and go to class. And it's like, you don't like, I was like, man, I feel like she's never going to understand where I'm coming from. And then, and then we had, then I talked to her about it and I was like, okay, like, this is how I feel we are. And I was like, well, how come, like, how can we, how can we bridge the gap, right? Like, how can we become either, how can we move the islands closer to each other? Or how can we build a bridge across the islands? And I think, and I think once we, once I understood your story more of like why you started dancing and how it became like your, your safe space, but like your one constant in life because you were moving around so much. And I think the, the reason that Kayla is so positive because one, she has been there. She, she, I, I was telling, I was like, I'm on the non-professional island over here, like on the, on the right hand side. And Kayla's over here on the left hand side on the on professional island. And there's just a sea of death in between us, right? <laughs> that undercurrent is yeah. pulling us under. There are and, sharks and alligators and everything under there. And and the thing is, I was on that island with you guys. I wasn't planning to make dance a professional thing. For me, it was something that I was really good at and making a little bit of money off of. And I only started my professional career when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Now we remember my first mentor that we we talked about, Layla, mm-hmm. when I was auditioning, because I really wanted to go to a performing arts university or a performing arts school for, for a university. She told me I was never going to make it. She told me I wasn't a dancer. Mm-hmm. So that, that island that we speak of, I, I was there. And I think through me trying so many things as a teenager, like that trial and error, and that feeling, like I said earlier, of that uncomfortable f- uh, fire that we feel in our chest, that is anxiety, that, that is, um, uh, it can become exhausting. But I think, you know, I really, uh, I love my parents for always being like, yeah, if you want to do it, you have to do it yourself. You can't expect anybody to do it for you. Right. It just became normal for me. I, I hate to say that, but feeling uncomfortable started feeling normal. So that when I made the leap to be like, okay, this is what I want to do. I swam through that water between the two islands, you know? So what you said so beautifully on that second prep call is I'm yelling from that professional island saying, it's oh, okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> You know, like Dory yeah. just keeps swimming, just yeah. keeps swimming. As long as you move forward, you are still moving. Yeah, and yeah. I and and I, and, I, and I was saying, I was like, the reason that like you, I think the reason that you're so gung ho about everything is like, like it doesn't matter, just do it, get out of bed, do it. I think that is because when you're shouting across an island, it has to be that forceful and that powerful because I think you know the gap is so large, right? Mm-hmm. So you, whatever you're feeling, you have to amplify it times a hundred because you're shouting across the stinking island. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, that's why I think everything, and, and for people, I guess, because I've, I've made it a point to pick up on toxic positivity. And I think that's why 
I saw it as that first and then I and then hearing your story and I think I think hearing your struggle because like I think we all assume that professional dancers are just confident people from day one. Like we, no. just, we, we assume that they knew that they were the shit from birth and just carried that through the dance class and they have just figured it out. They figured themselves out to this day. And I, and that's, and that's kind of where like that, I, for me, like when a dancer just says, Oh yeah, just do it. It's like, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say someone who's been kickball changing since they came out the womb, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like, you don't understand where I'm coming from. And I think that second phone call, made me realize that she does understand where we're coming from and that that shouting is just her trying to be like it's fine over here i promise you won't die <laughs> yeah and um and, and a story that i told you on the phone that that second phone call was i remember really wanting to take ballet mm-hmm. really seriously for the first time when i again i think middle school and again it was difficult to find a play oh, okay. i was a child so it was difficult for me to find what i was looking for until I found this one studio, which is actually the official like Hong Kong government performing arts center, like funded by the government. So I signed up and petrified that first day because I've never taken a ballet class. Like who's going to be in that class? Um, I was the only English speaking person in that class because it was uh, government funded. It was all Chinese kids and the class was taught in Chinese. And I thought that was amazing because like how beautiful is that to show up to somewhere and you're like, I have no idea what's happening, but that movement of dance, you don't need words. Right. But I, right. everything that you're telling me about like showing up to class and finding the research and getting yourself there. And that feeling, that first feeling of walking through the door of your first class, that was what I felt then. And cause I didn't know what to expect and I wasn't clear on why I was there. And I was questioning myself the whole time. And this is why I'm so glad that we we cleared everything up because now I understand that I need to share my story more because it's really easy for me, like you said, to be like, just try it, just try it, just try it. But if I open up and kind of let people know where I'm coming from or what my story is or what my experiences have been my whole life. But this is also why I love teaching class so much is because you can start finding that space to grow together. Again. I, I, I like teaching professionals. It's fun, but it's like, I don't really get anything out of it because I know they can do it. And this is why, like, not only was I teaching Groove 3, but I started a Tuesday evening classes that I was running myself because kind of reverting back to what we were saying, like, is there a market for beginning dancers? I went to every single studio and was like, I would love to teach a beginner jazz funk or hip hop or at least foundations. And none of them were interested. So I started my own. And it's at Evolution, the new one. I'm renting it myself. I'm doing my own promotion. You know, people are paying me to show up. And and I saw a lot of the Groove 3 people who wanted more. And that wasn't an hour and a half class. That was my own choreography. And again, with the intent of creating a safe space where people can push themselves even more to whatever they learn with me, they can bring to other classes. And again, it comes from a place of, I don't care about my choreography. I care if you actually walked away and you feel like your $15 was well spent. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause like, so like, let's like go back to the, like the, uh, the Island analogy, right? Like, mm-hmm. like if you're a baby dancer, like on beginner Island, like if you, if you're, if you're not a great swimmer, you can't swim or like there's sharks in the water, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, you look for something to anchor onto or to latch onto, right? Like for me, 
I found Instagram and found a teacher that I really liked. That was kind of like my latch. I was like, okay, I'm going to hitch myself to, the, to his boat and I'm just going to kind of like take that one class. So like when you, it's kind of like, say like, you know, like let's go back to Titanic, right? Like she was floating on the door. Like I found the door floating by and I was like, ah, I'm going to jump to this door to get me a little closer to professional Island and ride this door until I find another one. Then I just hop onto the next one. And then you hop onto the next one. And, and I think, in those doors, right, are like, or things you hop onto to anchor yourself are classes, right, or like, or a mentor or something of that nature. And it kind of goes back to what you said, like, they're not being a market. It's like, there's just seems to be a lack of options for beginners. Like, I wanted to take a beginner contemporary class, and I couldn't find it. It doesn't exist. And I was like, why? Like, there's so many contemporary dancers in LA, but there was not a single beginner contemporary class that I could find. And, and it goes back to the, that, that lack of options. It's like, if there's no door flown by, I'm still stuck on this beginner island, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I wonder now, because another studio just popped up in my head that we haven't mentioned, the Sweat Spot. I don't know if they offered beginning contemporary, so I, can, I don't know I don't, if I, it's... I don't think they do. I think they're mostly like like cardio hip hop, stuff like that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, that, that that's a difficult studio to get to as well, because mm-hmm. it's not in the vicinity with all the other, um, with all the other dance studios. Um, yeah, to have those doors, those anchors to get you to the next level for you to feel confident enough to get to the other island, there isn't a lot of that. And, and I don't know why. I think it's because I, I think it's because people don't know how to teach beginners. Teaching, teaching a beginning class does not mean making easy, easier choreography. It does not mean teaching less choreography. It means that you need to be able to describe the movement so well to these people that they know exactly what you're talking about. Now, through my experience, everybody teaches different. Um, sorry, everybody learns differently. Right. So you might have somebody that completely can watch my body and embody that. Yeah, Great. But you're going to have that. the a visual learner, but then you're also going to need the audio learner who needs to be told what to do. But then even if they're told what to do, um, people can't see what I'm doing right now, but I'm going to describe it. My elbow is up and I'm just like swinging my hand. Now this move can be described as swinging my hand right, or moving my elbow. But you yeah. have to understand how that person interprets movement audio wise or however you know, I think there's like three or four different ways that people learn. That is the job of the beginning instructor is for us to translate exactly what we want to get out of them. It's not for them. We, we, I don't want to say come down to the level, but find this beautiful middle ground that everybody understands versus expecting people to step up to us. And if they don't get up to us and it's like, well, they'll just come back next class and then they'll figure it out. I'm like, most likely they won't come back to the next class because they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel like they were heard. Yeah. They have no sense of accomplishment in your class because they literally went in with a blank slate and left with a blank slate because they have no idea what language you were speaking. Right. And, and I, I think you're right. The, 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 the way you say things too is very important because like for me, I was the person that was always like question. And my question would be like, are you jumping or is it more like a leap or are you just stepping forward? Like, like that was like, that was always my question. Like I was like, Oh yeah. What do I do with my weight shift? Am I like coming clearly off my feet as a jump or is it, or am I just stepping with one foot? Like that was, that was me. That was always the question I Which always is had. So valid for you to explain that. And that's the thing. It's, it's, I think actually it doesn't matter if you're any instructor should be able to explain that professional beginner mm-hmm. intermediate whatever your level is 
And that's the problem is commercial. I'm going to say commercial dance because commercial is the hip hop music video, right. uh, popular culture style of dance. Commercial dance instructors, there is no course for that. There is no way to be like, hey, this is how you break down choreography. All the teachers now kind of came from a place of they gained a little bit of clout and popularity from whatever they did. They're like, dope. Well, I'm going to teach a class with this really dope choreography that I made. We aren't taught to How teach. to be teachers. Yeah. And I understand how difficult it is for beginning dancers to find that instructor. So this is what I find difficult, um, might find difficult for you guys is you have to take the time and the energy to take all these different classes to see if this is a person you want to keep training with, but that takes time and money. Yes. It's going to take weeks before you find somebody that you're like, Oh, I've, I understand, I feel something with this person. I'm going to come back. But how many classes did you have to take to get there? And how so much I understand, money did I have to spend? Exactly. And, and that's where I understand, like, that for me is difficult to make a solution out of. And <laughs> instead of saying, you know, like, I, I can't, I'm aware that that's there. And I'm aware that that is a huge challenge of just finding that instructor that connects with you or that you connect with. Other than me being like, just come take my class. I'll have, I'll make you have a great time. <laughs> That's difficult right now. And I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm not saying that I'm the best choreographer. I'm not saying that I'm the best instructor, but I do know what I offer. And I do know how people, how people feel after my class. And I'm, that's also why I'm like, just come and take my class and just try it and let me know how you feel. And I won't take offense if you take it or not. Right. Continue taking it or not. So that's my biggest worry is that time and investment at the beginning stages as you were trying to find what that is. Now with any new habit, with any new hobby, that's going to be a thing. If you want to start working out and bodybuilding, how many bodybuilding gyms are you going to go to? Or if you want to start, start, you start buying weights at home or make a home gym or like that costs money too. So there is this beautiful area of trial and error that that's going to be the messy murky water that, um, you will start finding your anchors once in a while, but that's going to be like the first stage of it, I think. And I don't have a solution. I don't have tips because unless people text me personally and tell me exactly what they want, Mm -hmm. then I can guide them to different instructors, which people have done in the past. They're like, Hey Kayla, I really want to achieve this in class. Can you recommend a really cool house dance, house dance instructor? Right. Or Yeah. Like, well, I think, like, I, I don't have a solution, but, like, I think we could both work on that from, like, the studio perspective and then mm-hmm. us as non-professional dancers. I think that, like, non-professional dancers assume that taking a class should be easy and starting a new habit should be easy. And and yes and no, but, like, it goes back to, like, when you start something new, start a new habit, hobby, whatever, there's going to be a trial and error portion. So I think of that course. we have to change our mindset of, like, I'm just going to go take a class. You know what I mean? Like, and do it all willy-nilly, but, like, realizing that picking up an art, poetry, like, painting, sculpting, whatever, like, dance, there's going to be some trial and error. So, like, accepting that versus being like, this should be easy. I'm not doing it if it's not easy. Like, changing our mindset on that is on our part, but I think studios also have to realize that there is, like, there there are more non-professional dancers in LA than there are professional dancers. And 100%. I bet you nine times out of 10, us non-professional dancers are going to spend way more money than your professional friends. Like nine times out of 10, the professionals in a class guessed it. They didn't pay for that class. No. They just showed and up. 
there's this ongoing think dancers don't have any money because right. we're all trying to fight for those three jobs I was talking about earlier. So we're like, you yeah. know, so hundred percent you guys, I keep saying you guys, it's so unfair to like put you in a different category because I don't see it as a different category. Um, non-professional dancers, you guys are fueling our, our lives. You are fueling our livelihood and you're keeping these studios open. Mm-hmm. And if, one thing is, have you ever spoken to the studio and be like, I would really like this. Have you guys thought about it? So that was my question to you Yeah. during the first call being like, did you ever approach the studios? Which again, it's like, yeah, we can ask them, Hey, we would love a beginner class, but sometimes they don't want to put the work in. I, I know that the work studies, um, it's funny cause I was actually talking to one of the work studies like a few weeks ago, who's, um, now a close friend of mine. And I was like, what was your experience like? And she agrees that a lot of the work studies aren't really educated in no. how to market a class or how to market the studio. Yes. Um, what I would actually really love, and if, if the studios listen to this, is force your work studies to take all of the classes. Mm-hmm. So that when somebody calls with specific questions, they know exactly where to lead them to and what the studio provides. And, and, and I feel like that's the point though, right? Cause like, aren't like most of the time when you're a work study, you're probably not getting paid. You're, you're getting free classes in exchange for working the desk. So like, if I'm getting a free class, you better believe I'm going to be all up and down that schedule and taking everything I possibly can. So like, I feel not like everybody thinks like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like that's like, that's why they offer their free classes. So you can take as many as you, as you can, or like that you can fit into your schedule. And and because I've worked at a dance studio, but it was a pole dancing studio. So like the, I already knew like the, the mental hurdles to coming to a pole dancing class, like as for women was like, there were several mental hurdles there. Right. Mm-hmm. So whenever someone called, they were all like, so they, they made the decision to physically pick up the phone and call and be like, okay, I want to do this, but I need you to convince me to come. You know, that's basically what they're saying, right? Like they may call and say, hey, like where's parking? Or like, you know, this class started on time. I might be five minutes late or like, you know what I mean? Like they're, 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 they're saying different words, but what they're saying deep down is like, I need you to convince me to come to class. I need you to tell me that is okay, that I will be safe here in this space with you and these teachers. Yeah. And, and I, and I a hundred percent knew that. And, and I was trained to do that. Like they were like, well, people are going to be very sensitive. Like, so I, and I, and then for the most part, I took a lot of those classes on the schedule. Like I took all those teachers, all those classes. So I knew what they were, what, what to expect and what, where to lead people. And at the end of the day, I'd be like, oh, I've taken this class before. You'll be fine. She's a very patient teacher. Like you don't need any experience. Like, and, and I would be like, oh, I got you. Like you're, you'll be fine. And I think that that little, like that extra, I guess, I guess that prep or like the, the, the prep coaching, I guess goes a long way with people, especially if you're making the effort to call and be like, like, I really want to do this. I just need someone to give me the permission to do it, you know? Yeah. And that and goes I a long completely way. agree that it does. And because you've been there and you've experienced mm-hmm. that, you're more sensitive to it. And and I think you're totally right. I would love it if that, because the, 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 the reception is the first point, point of contact, whether you physically show up to the studio or it's on the phone they're already setting the vibe for mm-hmm. what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. And I've said this to them before. I like the amount of the work studies that never really took my class that never ever took my class. But then they were like, yeah, it's like hip hop Zumba. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
now. <laughs> You've obviously never taken my class. But cool. If that, you know, I would really love it if this next phase of us opening up of the studios opening up again and the dance industry taking off, if the work studies, if the people at reception had that understanding. Um, kind of a side note, I was working at a spinning gym. I was managing a spinning gym about four years ago. And it's that same feeling. Spinning is very confronting, exhausting, um, like anything physical, you know, and I experienced, you know, people want to feel that acceptance. Mm -hmm. They don't want to feel like they have to work for it. They want to feel like I'm spending money here and I would like a good experience to be that. Um, yeah, I would love more training. That's basically what I want to say. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Out of training this. I would love it. Involved. Training for everybody and a little bit more compassion instead of you're not invited to the club. Yeah. Cause you I have to prove yourself for the club you know, fight club. Because right. <laughs> I, I was one of those people that when I was at a point where I was like, okay, I want more options. I want more classes for beginners. And I remember I called the studio in NoHo. I don't remember which one it was, but I called one of the studios in NoHo and I was like, hey, like, do you guys have any like, like I couldn't find their, their like actual schedule like on an app or online or whatever. But I was like, um, do you guys have any beginner, like beginner hip hop? And like, and the girl on the phone was like, oh yeah, we have one on Fridays. And I was like, oh, just just the one class on Friday. She's like, yeah, it's Friday afternoon. And like, she would stop talking. And I was like, okay, well, like, is there anything else that's like, you know, like beginner friendly? And she was just like, um, we have advanced classes mostly. And I was like, okay, well, and and it and I know, and I don't know if like deep down she was like she if she knew she was being very like, uh, I guess like nonchalant or like somewhat like disrespectful. It was like, hey, like I'm, I'm trying to spend money at your establishment, but like you're, you're making it really hard to do that here, lady. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then if, if, uh, you know, for anybody that is experiencing that and they want to, they really want this to work out and the positive for everybody. That's when we go back on the clarity of why we're showing up to class. Like, what was your first attraction to that class? Or you know, why are you there? Do you want the workout? Do you want to just check it out and see what happens, which is again, totally fine. Do you want to learn choreography? And when you're super clear as the attendee, as the dancer showing up, when you're super clear on why you're there, then, it, then it'll be a little bit easier to, because I know we want this like little bit of more um, reason to show up and yeah. it does help when people know what they're talking about. So if anybody ever experiences the lack of help and the lack of information, Go back onto your intent and why are you showing up and roll with the intent and that will guide you forward as well. Yeah. Like, so I think like, so going back to like the island analogy, it's like, okay, like the classes or, you know, a mentor are like the doors floating by that you kind of like jump onto. But like sometimes these studios and the people who at the front desk can be like a rope or like, you know what I mean? Like you're like, some, there's something mm -hmm. else to grab onto. And yeah. I think that like, and again, like this might be a, a both sides kind of thing. It's like, okay, like I have to realize that like the people at the front desk aren't necessarily trained to be like, to give you that pep talk that you need. So either what I do is, is I either go back to my why, like, why am I signing up? Why do I want to go to this class? Or I can just like learn to filter, be like, okay, well, she clearly isn't like the, the person I should be leaning on to, to get me forward in this. I'm going to have to lean on myself or find another anchor, right? So mm -hmm. I think, again, like we have to change our mindset and learn to filter, but also like it would be so much helpful if the studios kind of adapted the way that they 
not I guess the way that they hired work studies or the way that they train, train the work studies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. So like I think it's kind of like going back to again to like the the island analogy is like even though there's no there's no bridge laid out for you, right? There's there's not there like I guarantee you there is not an already pre-laid plan for everyone. Otherwise I'd be on it right now, trust me. There is no one way to get there. No, 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 no. And and I think for everyone, because we're coming up short on our time here together, but I think for everyone, it's kind of like you have to find the doors that are floating by when you can. And you have to take it right then and there because you don't know when you'll find the next one. Yeah. So you have to be really proactive and, and look for the doors and look for the ropes and look for the anchors to latch onto, but also know that it won't be easy. Right. Yeah. Correct. Especially when we're dealing with something like dance, which is a whole existential use of your, of your being, because you're, you're using mind, body, and soul all together. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not just an activity, but you have to, your brain needs to get involved and your soul needs to get involved and like you're moving your body and your mind at the same time. So that's why it's so confronting and why it feels really difficult sometimes and we know it's going to be difficult. And if you're so ready for that, that trial and error part of it, then it's going to come out into the best conclusion for you. And, and exactly like, what is, what are your intents of taking that first class? And then it's going to become so much more clear. Yeah. And, and hopefully like as, as we learn to go through this COVID era is like, I, I, what I, I guess what the part part of me starting this podcast was just to to motivate people who were still on like who were still on the island not ready to move it's like okay like they like here are all the stories of people like me who are who are in the water kind of like floating on the doors just trying to look for the next door you know like while we're in this quarantine situation like if you like again like if you like representation matters right like if you see people like on the other side of it you're like oh well they got there and they didn't die so like i can i can do the same thing right and but i think also like if you're on professional island looking at all of these people stranded in the sea when you want to help them, like when mm-hmm. you want to send out the lifeboats or you throw a rope or something. So like what I'm hoping is that like the studios and the professional dancers see us like that. You, you see me out here in this water, like paddling really hard and like, just try to see me in my point of view. Right. Like I understand that like you come from a very like pro dancer, like this is my life this is what I'm going to do. But try to have a little, like, compassion and understanding for the people stranded in the water, right? Definitely. Yeah. Did I drive that island metaphor home, like, enough? Like, did I, did I, I, did I pound it? Like, when horse? you first used it, I was like, that is, I, that visual just makes total sense. I feel like everyone can either identify with an island or identify with that dark, murky undercurrent that you have to swim through in order to get to the other side. Um. And I would love to say that if anybody has any questions or wants to talk about it, I'm always here to be that person to bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. And, and I would like to be a, a lifeline for that. So I'm putting myself out there as a mini raft, even if it's with a little paddle, <laughs> to come out into the middle of the water if anybody just wants to be like, hey, so does this make sense? Right. <laughs> There's safety in numbers, right? If we're all floating together, like it'll be harder to drown, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So unfortunately, that is the end of our episode. But Michaela, before we go, um, I usually ask everyone this question. Um, So like if there's anyone who's listening to this podcast in quarantine, which we still are in, 
Um, and we'll probably still be in when this episode is released. Um, is there someone on the couch that's like, I really want to dance? Like, once we get out of this quarantine, I want to dance. What would you tell them to get them off the couch and into a dance class? Put your sports bra on. <laughs> <laughs> you're a boy, like, you know, your trousers or trunks, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> what we were saying earlier, I really like that, um, that visual of like, it's going to be a new habit. It's going to be something new and mm-hmm. lean into that uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. Of course it is where I think we're both confirming that and lean into that. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it convince you otherwise. If you notice that uncomfortability of, of the questioning or the, the stress behind it or not really knowing how you're going to feel, put your sports bra on, put your pants on. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. We'll change it. Put your sneakers on. Yeah, there you go. There you there go. go. I got it. That, this is gender neutral right here. <laughs> put your put your sneakers on and do it. And again, it sounds so much easier said than done. I'm coming from a place just because I've been there. I, I, I completely sympathize with how uncomfortable this questionable state is. I, I really do. And I'm coming from somebody that has experienced it multiple times and have always received a learning lesson after achieving it. So I'm coming from a place of I've been there. I understand. And just, just put your shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll leave it at that with those lovely words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Kayla. I Thank you for you. having me. I know there's so much more to say, but I appreciate that we were able to have a chat about this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. This will be a, an ongoing thing. So there's definitely could be multiple episodes down the pipeline. Brilliant. Bring it on. Let's go. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of 5678. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the 5678 podcast. There, you can also sign up for the Dancers Club newsletter at the link in our bio. See you next week for another new episode.